Hi there, Michael Zuber. Thanks for listening to the One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that the book One Rental at a Time is now available on Audible? Yes, to all my podcast listeners out there, One Rental at a Time is now available on Audible. Go check it out and please leave a five-star review. Have a great day. Hey everyone, it is Friday and we are closing out the week strong with our expert series. We always close out with Jonathan Twomley. How are you doing, sir? I'm great, Michael. How are you? I'm doing very well. So the last month, maybe six weeks or so, we've always started our discussion with the new unemployment claims. So I, I'm sure you saw them yesterday. Any kind of first blush of what's going on? Yeah, well, we seem to be... so. The unemployment claims are back up over a million first-time claims, right? So 1.1. That means that the last three, four weeks, we've sort of been bouncing around. We the trend, the the trend to lower and lower claims every week has has stopped, or at least it's stalled out. And that suggests that we're at some kind of plateau or temporary bottom of, of the unemployment claims. And I think Probably it's reflecting, I mean, I haven't dug into the data to see where the claims are up, but I'm imagining that, you know, we've got several states, particularly in the South, that are really having a lot of flare-ups. They're having to shut down again. Uh, and I think that's probably where it's coming from. And mm-hmm. school starting, I mean, we've already seen, you know, several major universities have after, you know, an entire week of classes, yeah. they've all gone online. So you've yep. got UNC, you've got Notre Dame, you've yep. got, you know, I'm sure there are others out there that have gone, uh, that have had to go back online. And I think this is really uh, what you're going to see once school goes back. I mean, I'm personally, basically at this point, I'm just, you know, we're sending our kids for the part-time option when school starts, but we're assuming that, you know, after a week or two, there's going to be yeah. COVID cases and they're going to shut everything down and it's going to be full-time online again. So uh, that's unfortunately I think going to lead to uh, more unemployment in the yeah. fall. Yeah. And with, uh, you know, Congress just took off without passing a bill. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, although president Trump has said he's handing out money, um, it's constitutionally unclear whether he actually is able to do that. Um, and it also depends on state participation and only like four states have signed on to this. Now 11, so 11 as of this, this morning. And, and I think North Dakota or somebody said go pound sand or Wyoming or somewhere said, no, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 yeah it's Cause it's also, it's also, you know, they've said, uh, oh, the states have to add mm-hmm. money to this, which is also, I mean, this gets into like obscure points of constitutional law, but the federal government cannot force the states to spend money. Yep. They can, they can, the federal government can say, Hey, we'll match money for you. They can induce them to spend it. They can say, here, we're going to give you the money. This is how you have to spend it. Or they can say, you know, if you spend this money, we will spend this additional money. Right. And, but it, but the, the states cannot be compelled to do anything by the federal government. So the, um, so I, I haven't sort of dug enough into this executive order to see whether it's, you know, well, I guess it must be voluntary because states have to choose to participate because yep. mm-hmm. uh, they can't so. force them to. But so that also, you know, imposes some limits. I think, um, I think, frankly, I think in New York, too, I think Governor Cuomo said, like, no way, we're not spending we don't have that hundred bucks per person. to spend. Yeah, what well, New York and California, so, both yeah. both our governors said, uh you're smoking crack. We don't basically, we don't have the money. I don't know what you're talking about. Right. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. So 
Yeah. yeah the states can't print money. So unlike the fed, so uh, mm-hmm. the federal government, so they're stuck with uh, you know, with what they've got and yeah. tax, tax collections are down for the states and you know, they're going to have to be furloughing workers pretty soon if they haven't already as well, which is going to not help with the unemployment. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think when I looked at the numbers yesterday, um, what I really saw was, yeah, there was definitely probably a bias towards the South, right. With the COVID cases kind of having yeah. more unemployment, but my, my great fear and we'll know next week, it'll be, it'll be validated next week is the PPP money ran out. Yeah. Right. And you know, if you were, if you took a PPP loan and you could get it, you know, forgiven by covering 75% with employees, well, that, that time frame's over. And as you just said, Congress left without replenishing it. Yeah. What are you going to do? You're yeah. going to hope Congress gets off their butt and retroactive does it. I don't think I, I don't, I wouldn't count on them for a second to do that. So yeah. they're laying people off. I mean, it's what the math says, right? Yeah. And that will be reflected in the, in the numbers. And uh, so, you know, we're still, still a long way to go on this COVID thing. Yeah. Um, You know, and I, I, it's funny, I was talking with some, some friends and they were saying, you know, wouldn't the right thing to have done or, or you could still do it, frankly, is if you say, we're just shutting down everything for three weeks, right? Just nobody leave their home for three weeks. Mm -hmm. You if, if, the, if the disease actually is what they say it is and it's got a two-week incubation period, yeah. um, then in theory, you could just like wipe the whole thing out in, in three weeks. But I don't think that we have the will to do something like that. I mean, there's been, you know, so I think we're just going to be dragging on. Everything's with this thing political until, these days. Yeah. 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 I think it's, we're just going to be dragging on with this thing until we finally develop herd immunity. And that seems to be very far off because I mean the numbers required for herd immunity are way higher than we are right yeah. now in oh, terms yeah. of it's... past infections. So yeah, the, the, um, we, my analogy of a bridge, I think is still playing out. We built a bridge halfway over this chasm, which you can call a recession or would have been a depression, but we have Congress failed to build the other half of the bridge hmm. and we're going to suffer. You know, I think, I think by sometime next year we have higher herd concentration, whatever you want to call it. We have some kind of vaccine, which only part of the population will take. Uh, and then we have better treatments. So hopefully we've taken death off the table. Right. Um, but we've got six more months of this. It's going to be rough, I think. Yeah. And with everybody going back indoors, so yeah. Yeah. that's going to make it, uh, you know, I guess we've got a few more, if the weather stays warm, you know, in, in the North, then maybe we can. Well, it's weeks get... though. It's it's eight weeks. It's ten weeks. It's not it's not month. I mean, you could yeah. say months, but it's it's two months. It's month yeah, and a half. Yeah, it's true. You know, I mean, now they're talking like, for instance, in New York City, they're talking about, or uh, actually, those heat lamps. You know, those outdoor heat lamps. Mm-hmm. You can't you can't you can't buy one now because they've all been <laughs> of course sold out because everyone is trying is buying them up for outdoor. Yeah, uh, they, they want that extra week. They want to get one more week of. Yeah, outdoor maybe dining. you can get a couple. And the, but the thing is, like, if you think about it, like, they can't really construct. You know, a lot of outdoor dining places you'll see they're sort of wrapped in plastic, right? They've yep. got that vinyl, that vinyl stuff. But you can't do that because then you're indoors, right? So yeah. they've got to, <laughs> they've got to, they've got to turn these heat lamps on, you know. And hopefully there'll be enough that maybe you can get into sort of like November or so yeah. on, under the heat lamps. But then once that, once that happens, I mean, then the restaurants are all back to trying to survive on deliveries until 
like March, right? And Ugh. I I don't know how. Honestly, no. I don't know how they're going to do it. It's not. I mean, that's no. It's not. They're just not. I mean, you can't. No. It, yeah. it, we're going to have more. Yeah. This, this, again, we're yeah. we built a bridge halfway, and now we're paying the price. And it, I mean, this Congress went home is just just not cool. Yeah. I mean, unless and listen, I mean. I, I think that there is some evidence out there. I mean, just I've seen anecdotal cases of this, but there still doesn't seem to be any kind of large scale information that that the mask wearing really does make a difference. And you know, maybe yeah, like if, if both if both people are wearing masks, like I've seen cases of you know barber shops where the barbers had were you know nobody knew this, but the barbers yep. were were COVID positive, and then nobody got infected because they were wearing masks, and the and their customers were wearing masks and everybody yep. was okay. So if that's the case, you know, maybe we might be able to get, if we had enough mask compliance that we'd have, a, you know, we could get to a point where we could start going about something like normal lives again, if everybody mm-hmm. would just wear, you know, the, the mask. But, yep. um, you know, we've got a lot of resistance to that, you know, for various reasons. Some of yep. it just people who just don't like being told what to do, no matter what it is, yeah. you know, but, um, you know, at some point, I think we're going to have to start making some serious uh, sacrifices if we want to get through this thing. Yes. That, yeah. Well, okay. we, we will We will eventually get through this thing. The question is the length, the depth, and the pain that we are going to suffer. Yeah. And it's definitely more than we would have suffered if we had just like bit the bullet up front. Oh, no question. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah there's no question. Well, all right. Let's get all off right. that happy topic. Yeah. It, let's talk about uh, one thing that you and I started talking about, right? We're, we're landlords and multifamily folks, but we yeah. started talking about flipping being hot for six to 18 months. And I don't know if you saw it, but man, let me read some of the numbers. Existing home sales came out this morning for July. Existing home sales, and these are national numbers, so I didn't, mm. didn't get the breakdowns. Sales are up 24.7%, strongest ever. Highest since December 2006. Inventory down 21.1%. Uh, months uh, went from 4.2 to 3.1. The median price broke 300 for the country at 304. And uh, price increase was 8.5% year on year. Even if you had inflation adjusted, we are still 3.4% above the 2006 peak of wow. value. Uh, and the final number is days on market has dwindled to 22. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Those are some impressive numbers. I mean, and uh, it certainly reflects what I've you know, been seeing in my own personal journey to buy a house, mm-hmm. right? Where, you know, uh, yep. I'm in contract on a house way upstate. As four hours, patch. right? Four or five hours, something like four, that. Yeah. It's about four and a half hours from yep. New York city, which is, which is fine. That's a haul. You know, yeah. It's a haul, but it's, you know, we, we've done that trip so many times. It's, you know, we got it down to a science. So it's not but a it's long a long weekend haul, right? It's, it's not, a, it, yeah, not it's an overnight. Not really, yeah, it's not a, yeah, exactly. It's, it's not a like go up Friday night, come back Sunday kind of thing. It's right. more of a, we're going up for a week or two kind cool. of thing, right? Or a long weekend. And, and um, but the, the thing that I've seen in this, you know, this, this we're looking in areas of, of New York state where, the population is really flatlining. You know, there's not a lot of inward migration up there because it's these are small towns and rural areas where the population is aging. And, you know, as it is actually in rural areas everywhere in the United States, even in the, the fastest growing states in the South, you can, the rural areas are 
are declining in population. It's it's the MSAs that are growing, mm-hmm. uh, the suburbs and the cities. But it's a phenomenon throughout the country that rural areas are, are, are becoming depopulated. And it's yeah. actually not just the U.S. It's throughout the world. Sure. Um, you just don't need that many people to grow stuff. And, uh, and people want to have, <clears throat> you know, the, they want city and suburban life where they can meet people and there's more stuff to do. So young people yeah. tend to go uh, to these other places and you've, you're just left with old people and eventually they're, they're dying off. So anyway, that being said, but even in an area that, this, and this, that is far from New York City, far from the growth center of the state, which is New York City, uh, there is very little inventory for new houses, mm-hmm. uh, not just for new, sorry, not just for new houses, existing. for houses, existing yeah. houses. And uh, things are on market for a very short period of time and they're being bought up, uh, you know, at asking or above, generally yeah. speaking. And uh, it's, it's an incredible phenomenon because, you know, I had been watching this market for several years and right, and it was actually getting worse. I mean, right before COVID happened, the houses were just sitting on the market, price cut after price cut after price cut. And now you're seeing the opposite happen. And it's actually happening Within New York City, too, I think a lot of people are, uh, there's been a lot of attention paid to the flight from the cities, right? And certainly Mm -hmm. there's some of that going on. Mm -hmm. But within the cities, people are also moving from apartments to anywhere trying to sell. Like if you have a house in New York City that has a yard, and there are lots of, you know, people I think don't really realize this. There are lots of places in New York City where you can buy a house with a yard mm. and you know, it might be a, a brownstone, you know, row house or something, but there's, there's a lot of housing stock that has yards. And so if you have either an apartment or a house that has a yard, you have no problem selling that right mm. now to people who just want space you know, is good some space. Yeah. Because, and, and it's not even, I don't think fear of uh, like getting infected, you know, it's just, needing someplace to go if you can't, you know, you can't, if, you know, if everything is shut down, you want to at least be able to just go outside someplace. Well, yeah, well, I think it's more than that. I think it's, if you are stuck somewhere, let's just pick on a two bedroom, one bath apartment with four people in it, mom, dad, two kids, you can't <laughs> work. Yeah. You can't work. You can't raise kids. You can't do all of these yeah. things inside an 800 square foot thing. I mean, you, you could for a day or two, right? Like if it's yeah. snowing, right. You have a school show. Yeah. You can make it work. But to do it for five months, that's a non-starter. Yeah. I mean, I literally, if I did not have an office, I would not be able to get any work done because I cannot work at home exactly. with the kids there. There's, yeah. I, have, I don't have my own space to work and uh, you know, they take over everything. So that you can't make the kids stay in their room. They won't <laughs> do it. Like, so they kind of wind up, you know, one of them is in their bedroom. One of them has taken over the living room. My wife is in the kitchen <laughs> and you know, there's not enough space in my bedroom for a desk. So I, I, uh, I don't have anywhere to go. So, yeah. so fortunately I have this office to come to, but um, yeah, if you're, if you're in that situation, you know, and if I had a backyard, I could go out there and sit in the backyard yeah. at, at like the picnic table with the Wi-Fi and do work exactly. outside or, or send the kids outside or whatever. Yeah. But, go play outside kid. You know, Boom. Yeah. But you can't. So that's, that's, so that's, that's what the outdoor happening. space is just really at a premium. Yeah. yeah. Space is good. And again, I think what we are seeing, again, back to these numbers and your experience in upstate New York, is I think people, a lot of people are making that decision, right? And 
there was always a question about, is this an investable trend or is it a short-term thing, right? And what I'm, what I'm seeing, what I'm reading about, my experience is far more San Francisco and California, but you know, I have a place, as you know, in New York, in, in Astoria. And you know, so I talk to my daughter all the time and there's moving trucks everywhere. And generally speaking, you, yeah. don't, you don't wanna move twice in a short period right. of time, right? It's not cheap, it's not fun. And, you know, if you're going to plunk down some significant money for a house and you're going to go from renting to owning, I, I think we're past a short-term blip. I think it's now an investable trend. And we're seeing numbers where it's a profitable investable trend, right? Eight and a half percent increase uh, year on year. I mean. Yeah. And I think, as we've talked about before, I think that uh, there are a lot of people, certainly what I've seen upstate is that the stuff that's really moving is... Uh, you know, turnkey, ready to go, turn, yeah. ready to go houses are just stuff like what I'm buying, which really needs very little work. It needs a yeah. little, but it's not, it's just, it's you know, livable and tear stuff. Yeah. It's li totally livable. <clears throat> you know, whatever you want to upgrade, you can upgrade while you live there. That's the exactly. stuff that is the stuff that's sitting on the market and where potentially there's some opportunity mm -hmm. is uh, the, those, the harder lifts, right. And yep. where if you can, if you can buy something, for a good price and renovate it, you should be able to sell it very fast once it's been renovated. Especially, I think if you're in kind of a warm weather state, where yep. you know where yeah, you don't have the winter shut down. To move. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you don't have the winter shut down, and uh, you know everything else. So I, I think that um, there's definitely opportunity here, and certainly, uh, you know, I I, I remain skeptical about whether this is a long-term trend and that like, Oh, nobody's going to live in a city anymore. I'm very skeptical about that. But I think for the next, you know, 18 to 24 months, I think there's going to be a lot of movement and I think yeah. people, there's this opportunity. And I, you know, I think psychologically, once people have made the decision to move, even if like COVID suddenly disappears, yeah, like if it just up and vanished tomorrow, I think there'd be a lot of people who would still move because they've, they've already decided. They've, yeah, they're committed. You know, they've, they've convinced themselves like, oh, wouldn't it be great to live in a house and have a yard and all that kind and of swing stuff. swing set and blah, blah, blah. That's yeah. right. And that's not going to change simply because the original reason why they want to move has disappeared. Like oh, they've already com psychologically committed. So I think, I think this is going to, to last uh, for, for at least a couple of years. Yeah, I think, I think you're absolutely right. And um, I think in those couple of years, I think two things are pretty certain. I think the suburbs will see an increase in value. And I think the populated areas will see a decrease in rent. I think both of those are, you know, you, you could bet on both those things, I think. Yeah. I also really, and I have nothing, uh, I don't have any stats on this at all, but I do, if, if homes are selling at such a rapid pace, if you think about, well, who is, who is able to move that quickly? Well, they're all renters, yep. right? Because people who have a home that they need to sell can't move that quickly. And if they're trying to sell in a place that's currently out of disfavor, yeah. right, they're stuck, right? So they can't, unless they're going to take a huge haircut off of the place that they that they live in. Which is happening. I don't know if you saw a couple of New York places took a 50% new, new uh, premium condos, whatever the hell they're called, high-end oh, condos. Really? Yeah. Uh, well, that's not, you know, that was already a problem here in New York where there was so much overbuilding. All the uh, only thing that's gotten built in the last 10 years has been super luxury. Uh, and a lot okay. of that was already taking price cuts as uh, if, for instance, you know, the Russian money was cut off and uh, the, the okay. Chinese money was cut off. So things were already, cause all that stuff was built for those people, right? They weren't okay. built for people who live here, but they, but <laughs> okay. now, 
but now, you know, but, but then to the extent that other stuff was getting built, it was still high end. I mean, it was like $2 million apartments. It wasn't, wow. you know, so uh, that doesn't even qualify as like super luxury in New York. Right. So yeah. it's, um, but I think what's happened, what you're seeing, you know, that stuff was starting to already sit on the market Yeah. when people were thinking like, where's the economy going and, you know, everything else. Then with COVID, I mean, I think you've got a lot of developers who are like way out over their skis and, uh, and for rentals too. I mean, I think that it's tough right now for people who, you know, are, are renters and they can work from anywhere and they don't have to be here right now. You know, they're like, Hey, I'm going to go home. I'm going to go somewhere else. This other city I wanted to explore. And I think, I think there's going to be a lot of uh, pain for developers in New York. And that's, that's oh, why wow. you see that stuff really them slashing prices on things. Yeah. But I think for people who own their, their homes, like mm-hmm. it's, it's a different, it's very different. It's harder for them to like sell at a loss or, uh, you know, or even, you know, how people are like, there's like, Oh, my house is worth this. Right. They, right. Very it's very sick, sticky. You know, Price elasticity is tough yeah. on the downside. The professional developers will say, well, this is what the market is. And they're not, they, they won't necessarily hold out. They're just no, going to try to They want to survive. Cash. Yeah. They, they want to get cash. But the homeowner is like, Last year, my house, you know, the house next door sold for $2 million. So that's what I'm going to get for mine. And they've planned their entire existence around selling for $2 million. And if the price is now 1 million, like it's very difficult happen. for them to accept that. So, yeah. um, yep. Renting to owning. I think you're right. I think that is the big, I think there's two things that are investable. I think we're going to see an uptick in owner occupancy because renters are becoming owners, right? The millennials are now in their thirties yeah. or uh, right on the cusp and they're owning. And you're right. I think um, it's out of the cities to the suburbs. I, again, my crystal ball can't look past two years, but I think both of those are investable trends. But what I wanted to, the point I was trying to get to though, is okay. there, there has to be an effect on apartments out of this. Like you can't have, you can't have two things happening at the same time, right? Where people are, are buying houses like crazy, like they're going out of style and those people being disproportionately renters because those are the people who have the flexibility to do that, to move very quickly mm-hmm. and have no impact on apartment occupancies. Like there just, there just has to be an impact. And I don't oh, think yeah. the impact is all from like it, this trend is also not all like everyone leaving New York or Los Angeles, right? That's it's, it's happening throughout the country. Oh, so, it's a country thing. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's happening in, Atlanta and you know Dallas and wherever it is, wherever people are in apartments and they mm-hmm. are renting and they're able to move, yep, they're moving to the suburbs around where they are and buying a house. So this is going to have an impact on multifamily no occupancies, without yeah. a doubt. And you know, I think a lot of look for years and years and years, I've been hearing millennials don't want to own homes, mm. and for years and years and years, I've thought this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Of course, they want to own homes. They just haven't been really in a position to buy yet, or they've just been deferring this decision or what have you. Yeah. Well, well, and I knew at some point they were going to be just like everyone else and start buying homes. It just so, broke. So, yep. so everyone who was saying apartments, 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 because millennials, nobody wants to own a home. They were, I, I've been saying. Just wait. Don't, don't do, yeah. Don't believe the hype. Right. Yeah. So, and now this is the event that has caused that to accelerate. Correct. And, and the millennials who were in a position to buy are buying, you know, especially with interest rates having plummeted the way that they, that they have, you know, and there's all kinds of, you know, first time buyer oh, programs yeah. out there where you don't have to come up with 20%. Yeah. 
you know, and that's the hottest segment of the market. First time buyers, no question. So I think this is going to have an impact on apartments and, um, you know, we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Well, I just close on this and then we'll get into the uh, fun topic is I've seen both New York and San Francisco, two big MSAs report significant rent rental rates drops vacancies in, in uh, Manhattan. I'm sure you saw this stat were were highest ever uh, reported sometime this week. I think that was Tuesday. Uh, so things like 13,146 units, if memory serves, which is highest on record. Oh, by the way, in August, which usually is a, the biggest, the best month for leases. Right, right. Yeah. Right. Cause you have the winter, you know, shutdown or whatever, or slowdown anyway. And then San Francisco is now giving away two months and had a 10% rent cut. Wow. You know, when you add that together, that's real, that's a big hit. So. Yeah. Well, let's put New York in perspective though. I think it's at a record high vacancy rate, which is like, 4.3 percent so true it's so it sounds like a lot but just because new york is so big thirteen thousand apartments is you know it's kind of a drop in the bucket there yeah. there are more than a million i think there are like a million rent control departments alone in new york City. oh wow so uh so thirteen thousand is not a huge number but still you know it is it is a it is a it's significant thing that we have an all-time high vacancy number here since World War II. I mean, it's basically, I don't think vacancy has ever been higher than 3% yeah. in, in Manhattan since World War II. So 4.3, 4. That's, that's substantial. And, tr- and I think it's fair to say trending the wrong direction. Right, right. right. And there's been a lot of, and there's been a ton of construction also. That's true. In the last few New years. New inventory, so, yeah. Yeah, so. Well, let's get into the, a fun topic. I wanted to close on this one because this is fun. It's been a while since you've been in a deal. Yes. All right. Yeah. So, so uh, I'm looking at one and I'm actually in a deal right now. In and a deal. I'm in a deal right now. Um, yeah. It's, it's been quite a while since I was in one. I've been quite, you know, as you, as you know, wary of the market uh, and uh, been unable really to find deals that I like, but um, I'm in a deal now. I was actually invited into a deal by some sponsors that I know really, really well. And, mm-hmm. uh, was very, very skeptical at first, uh, just because of where we are, you know, we're, we're still kind of you know, top of the market prices. Plus we've got this COVID overhang. Uh, we don't know where it's going. And so my first reaction was really like, no way, no how. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as I started digging into the deal and, you know, raising objections and getting good answers to those objections, I, I realized that, you know, for a while now, people have been asking me, hey, Jonathan, if you had to invest in a deal right now, what would you invest in? Mm-hmm. And this is basically the deal that I would invest in. So the, uh, it's a deal in Atlanta, uh, outside of Atlanta. It's an institutional grade property. It's a very large deal, much bigger than the kind of deals I would normally be doing myself, which is actually something that's attractive to me because when you're getting up to that level of institutional deal, there's a lot more kind of like cushion involved, right? For There's a lot less downside risk than there is with mm. like a, a small deal that's, uh, you know, probably older, has more deferred maintenance, maybe doesn't have quite this, this, the same level of uh, tenant base, you know, and appeal, mm-hmm. doesn't have the same level of amenities. Um, so all things considered, in looking at this deal, I felt like, you know, whether given everything that's going on, we can hit the projected returns or not that's putting that aside 
if you think about downside risk, which I think you really have to be thinking about, this is pr pretty, makes me feel pretty comfortable when I think about uh, the downside risk factors. So, you know, one of the things I like about this deal is, is the location, which is in Marietta, Georgia. It's right outside of Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And it's been having, for the last number of years, that, the, that MSA has been having really strong population, you know, inward migration. And this MS, this, you know, part of the MSA is very attractive within Atlanta. And the whole COVID thing has now accelerated the, these, these population trends, right? Yeah. So all things being equal, if you've got a lot of inward migration, uh, you're, it's just going to help you keep the place occupied with tenants who are able to pay. Mm -hmm. So that gave me a lot of comfort in looking at this deal. Um, again, also the, the, the institutional level management, you know, you're talking about really, really high level management company managing the asset, which you're not going to get in, uh, you know, smaller, much smaller assets. And then it's basically, you know, sort of a B plus A minus level, you know, wouldn't call it a luxury product, but it is a very, you know, geared towards affluent uh, renters who are more, much more likely to be able to work from home uh, than your kind of C-class tenants mm. who you might have in, in older properties who are much more likely to get furloughed mm -hmm. uh, and, and be having to deal with the, um, the loss of supplemental unemployment. Mm -hmm. So all those factors together made me feel quite comfortable with this deal, especially thinking, you know, thinking about it, not from the, are we going to make as much money as we want perspective, but thinking more about the, if you're looking for a place to put money that is relatively, is going to be relatively resilient through this. Um, this is, this is the kind of deal okay. where I think that's, that's possible. So that's, that's why I felt comfortable getting involved in it and, and bringing it to my investors. So very cool. Uh, that's so it's so, exciting. I'm really happy. I mean, really happy to be involved in the deal again too. I mean, it's that's what I do. So it's tough being on the sidelines. So it's, it's been good to have something to three years. Well, two it's years? been it's been the last time I bought anything was actually 2015. Oh, okay. Uh, and yeah, so it's been quite a while. And uh, sold everything last year, as you know. So it's right. very other than one deal in which I'm a very minor partner. Uh, you know, I really have not been involved, been focusing on That's coaching fun. and, yeah. you know, waiting for the market to correct. So it's great to be involved in a deal again. That's awesome. So where, so in, so in this deal, it's still, are you still in the, I guess the due diligence and capital raise portion of the. Yeah. So the due diligence is due diligence is, is ongoing right now. And we just started raising capital for it. So it is a 506 C deal uh, in terms of the capital raise, meaning that um, it is open to, all accredited investors, but you must prove that you're accredited. So, Got it. Um, so if people are interested in the deal, they can reach out to me. They can, uh, you know, participate if they are accredited, uh, and they have to be able to demonstrate that they're accredited. You know, either through a third-party verification or through a letter th from their CPA uh, or the other acceptable methods of demonstrating that you're accredited. And if somebody's watching this and, and is accredited and wanted to reach out to you, what? How do you like to, them to do that? Yeah, so the best the the best way to do that is to go to my website, mm -hmm. uh, which is twobridgesmanagement.com. Uh, so that's the, actually it's two bridges spelled out, and management is 
MGMT. Uh, but you can, I will you put can that just in the link. Up. If you go, go yeah. And if you Google Two Bridges Asset Management, you'll find us very easily. So there just do, do that. There's an investor page on my, uh, on there and you can just sign up right there and you'll get into the system. So, so anything else you can tell us about the deal just to whet people's appetite? What's the whole, what's the projected hold period? Is it a value add? Yeah, so, Is it a, what, what do you want to tell us about it? Yeah, it's, it's got a little bit of everything, right? I mean, it's, it's a, it's a big deal. It's almost 500 units. It's oh, an $80 wow. million dollar deal overall. Uh, the five-year projected uh, hold IRR is, um, well, actually, I think I, I'm not supposed to say those things. Yeah, I, I'm still you, unclear as to how, what I can yeah, say. I don't, think, I don't think you can uh, talk but, returns, but you can talk plans. Yeah. Yeah. The so plan is that it's a five-year hold. Yeah. Uh, the plan is uh, to renovate units as needed. Okay. Uh, which is a way of preserving cash too, which is another thing that makes me very comfortable with this deal because yeah, it's not, not a big burn. It's not the, we're going to, it's not the, we're going to go do a heavy lift and get out over our skis. This is uh, a very interesting plan where when new prospective tenants come in, they'll be offered the option of an existing unit with the existing package or the, the beautifully upgraded unit for higher rent. Yep. And if they choose the higher one, then the renovations will get done. They can get done in about 10 days and they can move into a brand new upgraded apartment at a higher rent. If they don't want to spend the extra money, they can, they can just do an existing in. one yep. and just move in. And so uh, that, that means that it allows us to control the pace at which the money is spent and yeah. only spend money when, when, it, when the return is essentially guaranteed. So that is something that makes, you know, makes me quite That's uh, a good idea, also yeah. comfortable with the, with the plan. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing too, that made me comfortable about this deal is, uh, you know, th the break even occupancy is like 72%, oh, there which you go. is, which is, you know, you really have to sink very far to get to 72%. And for, this is when it comes back to the institutional quality yep. and institutional management. Mm -hmm. It's very difficult to conceive of a situation. Now, not impossible. It could happen, especially mm -hmm. if, with COVID, if we really get into bad times, yeah. uh, this could, it could happen. But I think it's, I feel comfortable with the sure. idea that we wouldn't get down to 72% uh, with professional, you know, really high level professional management on site. And yeah. the other thing is that we're raising a very large reserve fund so that actually we could go down to 50% occupancy for eight months and still be able to make all the debt service and pay all the expenses of the property. Very cool. uh, out of the reserve fund. So that, so there's a lot of downward, you know, downside risk mitigation yeah. in this deal, which is, makes me feel. That's awesome. I've never looked at a deal that big. Shoot. I've never looked at a deal one tenth that size. Um, you know, what, what is the raise yeah. on that? Is it like 35 million, 40 million? It's, it's about $26 million oh, 26. altogether. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. um, cool. But yeah, me too. This is for me, this is like an opportunity to participate in a much bigger deal, you know, with much bigger players and yeah. who are on a different level of sophistication or I can, where I can learn a lot from how they do their operations. And so oh, it's a that's good opportunity awesome. for me. That's awesome. I, for you're usually the big fish. Learning. Now, now you're getting an opportunity to learn. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It's, it's very exciting to be able to, to be part of something like that. So that's awesome. Uh, yeah. I'm happy for you. Wow. Jonathan's in a deal. I always wondered when that would happen. I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. Now, sometimes I was wondering if it was ever going to happen again, but uh, yeah, here we go. 
Well, very cool, man. Well, I appreciate you giving me some time on your Friday. Uh, enjoy your weekend and good luck with that uh, house in the, uh, uh, New York upstate. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much. All right.